keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we practice talking about loving each other in very specific ways. Because even if you think it's just fucking, I would argue that you are making sweet, sweet love. This is an especially long episode because there's a bonus interview at the end with my good friend Meredith Hunt. Our guest today was raised Mormon in Utah, where she still lives today. She's a 34-year-old straight but by curious single-ish Indian lady who works as a regional coordinator, among other jobs. And some of her kinks include being choked, tied up, and blindfolded. She tends to have successful friends with benefits relationships and has recently been exploring as a third. Welcome, Jess. Hello, how's it going? So good. Okay, let's start off by please rate yourself on a sexual shame-o-meter. One being totally shameless, ten being super full of shame. Where are you right now today? Now I'm pretty shameless. I'm pretty open. Cool. And what is your sex life like right now? Just give us a few sentences of an overview. Right now, I just have one consistent friends with benefits, and it's been pretty fun. I mean, I'm not used to consistency, so this is new. Fuck yeah. Do you like consistency, or is it, like, weird? I like it because my other two friends with benefits, they weren't so consistent, so it was kind of like, oh, I need it, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sexual. I'm very uh, hypersexual. <laughs> <gasps> okay, okay, so we have a hypersexual person who is finally getting some consistent fuckings. But let's, for a moment, take it back to the very, very beginning. When do you first remember hearing about sex? When I was about nine with the Monica Lewinsky and the Clinton scandal. Oh, wow. What do you remember about that? I just remember being very young and there was all these like articles and then the news. And I had asked my mom what, what, what that meant and, you know, oral sex. And she told me and I was just very fascinated by it really she told you just like explicitly with words or did she do you remember she said not too explicitly because she is mormon so it's very tactful she just said it's when a woman sucks on a man's penis and oh, wow. I just, you know and i was li little so i was like that's so weird but <laughs> interesting <laughs> oh so. So how was sex talked about in your family? Like, how did the culture, religion, the values, how did that influence your ideas around sex as a young person? Well, so it's funny because earlier I was with my siblings and they know they they know I'm very I'm very open about my sexuality. But my parents didn't really talk about sex like it wasn't uh, it was very it, we never got the sex talk. Okay. If we were curious, I mean, I'm probably learned from my siblings and my friends more okay. than my parents. And can you tell us how many siblings you have and kind of what your family configuration is like? So I'm one of 20 siblings. We're all adopted from all over the world. And I'm from India. And the dynamic, it was very chaotic. But uh, now that we're all older, we're a lot closer and know more about each other. I'm, I'm right in the middle. I'm the 12. Okay. Growing up Mormon, it was very different because, you know, you were taught all these things and that, you know, suppression, a lot of people get suppressed. And I think sex is is not as normalized as it should be because it's shamed. Because if you're Mormon, you're supposed to wait till you're married. Mm -hmm. That Yeah, I've never been married. I was just going to ask you, <laughs> so you're married. Okay, no. 
<laughs> no, never been married. Never, I don't have kids. And I mean, that's just the way to do it. You get married, you have children, you know, and that's just not the ideal. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Mormon anymore. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not religious. I'm agnostic, but you know, teach their own. My parents love me. It's hard, but they love me now for who I am and mm-hmm. accept me. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted. Fuck yeah. You know? So did you get information from your older siblings? So, yeah, some of them were, like, in middle school. I, like, I had this girlfriend, and she, you know, taught me, like, what fingering was and, you know, what she'd done with boys. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, like, I was boy crazy, but I would, I would never think about sex because I'd never experienced it. Right. But, um, yeah, I learned from my siblings some, t- like, with their boyfriends, too, because, obviously, out of 20 children, not all of us are Mormon. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> there's only eight of us that are. That are Mormon still? Yeah. Okay. That practice it. So definitely learn some educated and to end movies too. You know, like when we would come on a bad part, like it make me feel like tingly and something like, oh, what are these feelings? Yeah. You know, um, or like, you know, whenever we'd watch something like sexual, our parents would always walk in. It's like, that's always the case, right? Murphy's law. Like, no, it's just this one part. <laughs> yeah. So how did that affect your understanding of what sex actually was? Well, so, and also when I was younger, I forgot to tell you, um, I did find this book. It was a sex book about like, you know, your lady parts and your man parts and masturbation and all that. Mm. And, you know, I read a little bit about it, maybe when I was like 12 or 13. So, I mean, and I had some, you know, girlfriends who had like done like more than making out with guys and stuff. So I start to ask about it, but. I mean, I couldn't go to my mom and be like, uh, what are these feelings, you know, because it's just, we just don't have that kind of relationship. I mean, thank goodness for, you know, friends. <laughs> totally. Is it the same with your parents these days? Or do you talk about anything with them now? I'm pretty open about like, you know, smoking and drinking, but really like they obviously I've always been kind of boy crazy. I'm a Scorpio, so I'm very yes, sexual. <laughs> so good. Like, they don't, I mean, obviously now I've had sex. Like when I was in college, this guy tried to have sex with me. And so it was just a bad situation. So I came back from college. So mm-hmm. they know I've had sex, you know, but it's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to my mom and be like, Hey, I hooked up with this guy. Yeah. I, I could be like, Hey mom, I went and made out with this guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. Same. So, totally. But then again, they're, my sex life is none of their business. I'm very open with my siblings. But I, I could never be like, hey, dad, this guy's going home with me tonight. Right. <laughs> you know, in the hypothetical world where they were open or wanted to know something, would you? Because I'm sort of like my, my mom will do this thing where she's like, well, I'll, I'm happy to know anything you want to share with me. And I'm like, well, I'm not just going to volunteer information. But how do you think you would react? I probably would be open because now I'm, I'm a lot closer to them. So mm-hmm. if they were curious, I would tell them. But then again, my mom and dad are very, my mom's very, very private person. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, she won't even talk about, like, her first kiss or, you know, stuff like that. And did you go to a public school or did you get a sex talk in school? Um, Yeah, we had maturation night in, like, sixth grade. I went to public school. Maturation night? Yeah, it was called (laughs) maturation. Like talk to you about your period and, like, growing your boobs. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And I grew up in a suburb, and it's called Conwood Heights. So everybody and their dog is Mormon. You know, you have a church down each street. Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely interesting. But 
I mean, I didn't get my first kiss until I was like 15. I was going to say, so you're around Mormon people too. So it sounds like people would perhaps have similar values or were they like the good kids and the bad kids? And I'm saying all that with air quotes. Like what was the social dynamic? Oh yeah, there was definitely the good kids and the bad kids. I mean, honestly, growing up Mormon, I, you know, you just have such a narrow mind because you don't know anything else. But, you know, I'll admit I was really judgmental about the girls who were sluts. Mm. and uh, you know would make out with all these boys and then then now I think about it I'm like man back in the day I can't even believe I pointed the finger and Mm. you know you can't throw stones if you live in a glass house totally but but if you were to reflect on that now why do you think you used that label slut or whatever whatever name that's just what we were taught you know if a woman's sleeping with more than one person or cheating or you know uh, people who have threesomes or any any different, just not missionary vanilla, mm-hmm. then that's, that wasn't normal. Like that's the wrong way, Got it. you know? What about threesomes in the context of polygamy? Or is it just understood that the man only sleeps with one woman at a time? No, exactly. Exactly. A more polygamy is still legal here in Utah. So, but, but when they teach it in the, I mean, I don't know if, do they teach it in the church? Is anyone like, and here's how to do a threesome when you marry your wives? <laughs> or is it like understood that it's only. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that, no, they never taught that, but they, that be uh, amazing? they, the church broke off back in the 1800s, the church broke off to the FLDS church and those people were polygamy. Okay. Like they still practice polygamy here, but like being Mormon, you don't. You only have one wife, but weirdly oh. enough, if you get married and then you divorce your wife, that woman's still to that man. So a woman can have only one husband, but a husband can be still to every wife, more than one wife. Isn't that weird? Which is really so backwards if you consider like the actual emotional availability or like capacity to multitask. Like that's just hilarious to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not not dissing it. I just find it very odd. No, exactly. Yeah. And I... It's a, it was an interesting upbringing, and I think that it's got good, you know, family or, you know, values, but there's just a lot of stuff that um, I've definitely sinned. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, me too. Haven't we all? And also, isn't it human to do so? <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? <laughs> I'm not going to try to be a goddess. So <laughs> do you remember ever learning anything about consent as a child? Yes, I did. Hmm. I was molested when I was little, and that taught me, you know, what why what's what's happening to me i don't understand this is wrong i need to say no can you are and again you don't you don't have to talk about this if you're not comfortable at all but i i like to know what how you understood it was wrong like did you understand it was wrong as it was happening or was it later and did you bring adults in and what did you do to take care of yourself with the situation so it was someone in my family and i I, um, it would happen and then I would just pretend to be asleep. But then finally I just told my teacher, Mm. I mean, it wasn't sex, but it was sexual. And I, I didn't know how to react because I, I peed the bed since until I was nine that, you know, he'd come in and take my diaper off. I didn't know, you know, and so Mm. I finally got the courage to say that this is not okay. Yeah. So, and then, you know, stuff happened. Okay. And just for our listeners, as a general thing, if you care to share, did you go through any sort of, uh, like, did you have support from the church or adults in your life or anything in terms of healing? So um, I did. I started going to therapy uh, after that. And I think it did help. 
I think that if I would have handled it differently, like my, I wish I would have told my parents sooner, but I felt like I was going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. I did, but I, yeah, I mean, therapy, I think is the best medicine. I think everyone should be in therapy. I agree. I love therapy so much. Also, I'm restarting it. I've taken a break because of COVID and inconsistency and I'm going back and I'm so excited. Yeah, I love therapy. I mean, and, and, and I think that a lot, honestly, I may be hypersexual because of that, mm-hmm. maybe, or I, I definitely have trust issues with men. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it was very hard for me. Like I'd uh, substitute relationships for hooking up with guys, mm-hmm. you know, in my twenties. And, and, and the thing is, is it, it wasn't, you know, the person who did that was molested as well. Yeah. I'm not doning it. I don't, th- obviously I'm not saying it's, it's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, wrong, but you know what I mean? Because it had happened to him. Yeah. But I wouldn't be the person I am today. Absolutely. And do you feel like that healing is an ongoing process? Or how how do you take care of yourself? Do you ever have any, like, triggery experiences? Does it ever come up for you in your current sex life? So when I, like, first started having sex, there are guys who, like, would pressure me to do stuff. And I didn't want to do that. So I would kind of just speak up and be like, no, I'm not going to do that. If Where's the fun? In, when, I mean, it depends on the situation. If, you know, if I know I'm going to be bossed around, of course, I'm going to be more willing to be bossed around. But if if I don't want to do something with you and you keep on being like persistent, like that's just a hard no. And, you know, like in my early 20s, I, you know, I would never be like, oh, but I want him to like me. And I get it. That's, you know, I'm I'm sure I that, you know, I do things, but it wouldn't be sexual for a guy guy to like me because I'm not going to give him something if I don't want to. Fuck yeah. So what is the first consensual sexual experience either with yourself or with a partner that you remember having? So when I was 17, I went to this dance with this guy and I had like, to this day, I still like him. I've been four, since I was 14, but I gave him a blowjob. Where? In the car. No. So we were driving and parked and we started like making out and messing around like start he was the very first guy to like touch me mm-hmm. down there because mm-hmm. I did, didn't masturbate I didn't you know I didn't do that stuff because we just you know we were taught that it's bad oh you were you were actively taught to not touch yourself yeah yeah that it was bad like you don't do that at all okay but yeah my mom does think it's healthy for people to matter because it's suppressed okay. you know you have all this suppression totally so it's a lot of energy and- <laughs> Yeah, once you experience somebody doing those things to you, it's like, wh- what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I've never experienced it, but yeah. So we parked and then like we start so we started messing around and then he's like, Do you wanna, you know, suck my dick or my my dick? Yeah. And I was like, uh, why not? You know? Why not? But I didn't Did you know yeah, what it why not? was? Or like how did it what how did the why not feel? I was just like, you know what, why not? Because, well, because I felt comfortable with him and I knew he wasn't just some random guy and that like, you know, we went to school together. So it, it wouldn't be like he was going to go tell other, everybody, but like, I really, I was like, you know, we, we've hooked, like we made out before and like, you know, necked and petted, but like, we didn't do anything sexual until that night. So he, he was my first to do anything like sexual with. Okay. And had you seen a penis at this point, or was that your first one to look at? Um, I'd seen a penis before. And was this your like, first, like, up-close touching moment? 
Y- yeah, with him. How I was had, it? I felt his. I felt his penis like over the pants, you know. But don't you think that's different? Yeah, <laughs> like no, feeling no. a boner versus like holding a penis and putting your mouth on it. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. But yeah, he was. I had stuck my hand down there before and like felt it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just you know, uh-huh. I mean, like like in the moment you know they're gonna be touching and then I'm like yeah so when I pulled it out I was just like I'd seen a penis before but I never sucked on one so I'm like yeah I'm just gonna this is happening did you know what to do or what did how did you what'd you do how'd you know what to do so like when I when we were on vacation as kids I watched Sex in the City (laughs) like like you know we're so bad like more I mean like I'm like I'm so bad I'm watching sex in the city you know so I kind of use some tips from there to be okay. honest Samantha Samantha Jones you know she gives the best blowjob so I didn't have cable growing up and I've never actually watched sex in the city so is it very sexy I know I need to watch oh it my gosh, it's, good. it's it is it is it's a really good show okay their friendships and their sexual there's the relations they're just it's really good okay you okay. should watch it okay I, I mean it is on my list i just need to remember to do it so you like knew a couple things about blowjobs from sex in the city yeah <laughs> amazing and like i had a couple like i said i have a couple girlfriends who were like they didn't grow up mormon they were like my bad friends like mm-hmm. you know they had been like fingered and stuff like that you know tell me the details of their you know conquests or boyfriends you know so they they educated me. <laughs> and did he give you any tips as it was happening? Did he know it was your first time blowjobbing? Blowjobbing? Yeah, I told him. I'm like, this is my first blowjob. <laughs> so, and and he just told me what he liked, like where he liked to be licked or sucked on. So I just kind of went for it. I mean, it was. I mean, he liked it. He's moaning. So <laughs> fuck yeah. And then him touching you. Do you remember? Did that feel good, or was it like what was the experience like? At first, I like. I mean, I wanted it to happen. So it was, I mean, I'd never been touched like that. So it was like intense and overwhelming at the same time, like anxiety ridden. We're like, oh, this is really happening. This is it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I liked him so much. So he turned me on a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I liked him since I was 14. So I was 17 when I did that. When did you start touching yourself? Do you touch yourself now? Yeah, I do. Okay. When did that start? Was it like after somebody else touched you or did it still take a while? Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was after it was like more so in my like later 20s that I did that. Like I I had never had a toy or anything until like the last six, I think, five years now. Mm. So, I mean, I prefer the real thing, but, you know, (laughs) I do like toys. Which toys are your favorite? I've only had a couple like vibrators. Mm -hmm. But I do want to get the Hitachi one. I've seen, you know, good things come out of that. <laughs> uh, I felt good things come out of that. <laughs> so I really want to try that. And then I want to try, I want to get a butt plug, but I've never, I've never experienced that, a butt plug. So. <gasps> okay. Ooh, keep us posted. What inspired you to buy these toys or what inspired you to start touching yourself in your later 20s? Well, some of my girlfriends are like, how have you never like tasted yourself or touched yourself? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know like what to do. I I just, I've never was like, oh, I'm so horny. I'm going to start touching myself, you know? Really? Even after other people touched you and you found out it was nice? Yeah. I just, I I just have never like been like, I'm going to go, 
you know, masturbate. And do you think it was because of your upbringing and the way the church talked about it? Or do you think it was just sort of it didn't occur to you or what? I think maybe a little bit of shame or I just didn't know what I was doing too. But Mm -hmm. like, I mean, after talking to my girlfriends and being like, yeah, you should probably try to just see what you, because then you can tell them what you do like and you can know yourself better sexually. And do you feel like that was the case for you? Like when you started touching yourself, did it help? Because I don't know that that's true for me, but I love it when people do touch themselves because I learn, but I don't, I don't know, communication wise, I don't feel like it's helped me. Did it help you? I mean, like a little, like I definitely know now, like what I really like and then what I don't and like what help, like gets me more wet and what doesn't. On that note, can you tell us what those things are? <laughs> yeah, so um, I am one to just get like completely wet, like soaking wet really, really? quick. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I'm a little horn dog. <laughs> like, and is it, can it be from like mental stimulation or is it touching or is it like the situation or is it all of it, any of it? It is all of it. Um, a lot, definitely. Um, I love the buildup. Mm-hmm. Like, if you start, like, slowly kissing or just, like, running your hands up my thigh or just caressing my, over my pants yeah. kind of thing. Like, that gets me super turned on. But I really like the, like, when a guy takes a thumb, his thumb, and just, like, does circles up right above my clit. Like, that's okay. super hot. Yeah. Naked or, like, through clothes? Well, through both. Like, both. Okay, both. Okay. Mm. I definitely, like, Uh, nice and slow just so i love to be teased you know edged on yeah like it's so hot it's so fucking hot how sensitive is your clitoris and what type of sensitive is it so depending on how long like you're doing you're having you know some adult fun after i think like a couple of sex my my pussy is like super sensitive to where like you barely touch me and i'm just like quivering you know but like before the buildup, I just love being touched everywhere. Mm. I think I'm more sensitive after I come like four or five times. Mm-hmm. And is it like a good sensitive or is it like a too much sensitive? It's a good sensitive. But when it sometimes where if I'm like so turned on, like and just coming and then coming again and again, and then he, they touch me down there, then it's just like, OK, I got I got to yeah. take a break. Yeah. And how does your body like to be touched in all those ways? Like, can you just tell us a few feelings to inspire other individuals to touch each other? Like, is it soft tickles? Is it like grabs and squeezes? Is it massage Give us some sensations you enjoy, pretty please. I definitely love like soft caressing, but also like depending on my mood, I definitely love some guy like maybe smacking my ass or grabbing my tits and just taking control. Mm-hmm. I guess I just have to be in the mood like, like, cause I'm, I mean, more of a submissive than I am ever dom- dominating, but mm. it just, I guess, depends on the situation. Mm. And when did you start to explore or discover this submissive side of yourself? So probably like five years ago. I mean, like, cause like, okay, so I lost my virginity when I was 20. So I didn't really... I never really experienced like a really good orgasm until I mean that till till I was with a pleaser. Wait, a lot of wait, guys- you got a good orgasm when you lost your virginity. Yeah, like the same day, like the same session. And, uh, st- yeah, same session because oh. I had never like that. Like I'd never. Wow. I had I had messed around with guys, but I'd never had sex with them. Yeah. But I never would come. Okay. And th- but I'd get them off. But then I thought that's just how it was like, mm. oh, I was like, okay, well, what about mine? But I just thought that was normal. 
It's not. <laughs> I know. It- Isn't that shitty that we all seem to think that for a little while? Yeah. Women, women, I'm saying we women. It, it, exactly. And that's, that's the weirdest thing is like, I never thought about it. I just always thought it'd be like, oh, well, I, I like to please, but I like to be mm-hmm. pleased. But I'd always do, you know, them. And then after that, I was just like, you know, they make out, but barely touch me. And they're just like, oh, well, let's, that's my, I have like, you know, uh, blue balls, but the women, beaver balls, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. But yeah, it was, I mean, that was like my first real orgasm from this guy. But I, um, his name was, let's just call him Jay. Great. Perfect. <laughs> so... But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just weird when you think like, oh, I'm going to give them everything. And then they're like, well, wait, I don't you don't get to even touch me. Reciprocation's nice. Don't get me wrong. I like to be sometimes please a person without being pleased because it pleases yes. me to please. Totally. And I don't think it's satisfying personally to have it be like like keeping tabs and have that back and forth. But I want the overall feeling to just feel like mutual desire and mutual pleasure. And that's, I think, what I'm always trying to like figure out relationally with people. So Jay was your first penetrative partnered sex. Did you continue Mm -hmm. to see him sexually? I did for about a year and and then he went to college. Okay. Did you guys get a fair amount of fucking in in that time? Or did you feel like you got to like know your sexual self with a partner or how was it for you? It was, I mean, it, it was, it went on for a little while and it was, it was good because I'd only, I, I, I'd only felt comfortable to sleep with him. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like when I was 18 where a guy was just like, wouldn't stop, like, right. you know, right. stop, it's like, stop trying. But so it like kind of scared me to even try to do that. But like I said, with him, I, I'd known him since middle school. So it was pretty great. I wanted to continue that, but then he went, he moved to California for yeah. college. So. I didn't really do anything for a while after that until I was. During it, were there any standout stories we need to take note of before we explore, I guess, any in the early sexual formative years that are worth mentioning? I mean, it was kind of a pretty vanilla, like missionary. Like I didn't really do too many crazy things with him. Yeah. But that's then again, that was my first partner. Like he, he, he was only like a year older than me. So he wasn't like, he wasn't like sleeping around very much mm-hmm. either, you know, and, and he knew I was his first and that he was my first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he wanted to be like very considerate and like attentive. I mean, like I was never crazy, like bend me over, fuck me kind of thing. It was yeah. more like kind of having sex. And I liked him a lot when I, you know, had was having sex. I'd be like, um, okay, what, what, what do you want me to do now? You know? And he's like, well, you can, you can, get on top of me you know Mm. he wasn't he was just very patient and like considerate so I kind of was like okay well I've obviously never done this so let's I guess we'll just you know take it play by play you know yeah so and then he's like and I'll get on top of you and I really like the fact that he would like get on top of me Mm -hmm. like I you know to be kind of like and I think that's where I kind of first like you know I like a guy in charge yeah but it's also nice to be a little bossy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> How are you bossy? Well, now I, I definitely like, like there's this one guy like a while ago and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to use you and abuse you and you can call me your madam, you know? And he's like, okay. 
And so he let that me- is a little dummy on your part, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like yeah. he brought that out of you specifically? Because I'm hearing other submissive words from you, but what inspired that kind of shift? For me, I'm definitely a giver, but I've also wanted to try being like, you're going to listen to me and you're going to like it kind of thing. Just to see if I could like, if it turned me on more or less. Mm. And I mean, like I said, it just depends on the situation. I mean, I do, there are parts where like, I like to be bossy, but I definitely like being submissive, but it, it just depends on the situation, I guess. Yeah. It was our guy, you know, there's that guy, that one guy who just said, abuse me, use me. I want to do, I just want to please you. And I'm like, okay. Oh, so and he I, led, I, he kind of led with that? He let me, yeah. And I said, Fuck well, yeah. whatever, you do, I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm very transparent with the guys I hook up with. I'm very, I lay all my cards on the table because the last thing I would want to do is ever hurt anybody's feelings. And, you know, being sexual with somebody, it's all about being considerate and communicative. Can we hear some of the details about the cards that you do lay on the table? Like, what are some of the things that you make sure they know before you get involved with them? I definitely tell them that uh, condoms are a must. I, I mean, in the past, I have fucked with out of condom with somebody I'm sleeping with consistently. Mm-hmm. And if they choose to sleep with somebody else, then we'll use condoms. Okay. Like, it's just kind of a, I, I always lay out honesty is the best policy. Communication, if, if you don't want to hook up with me anymore, let me know. Yeah. I mean, other guys that I've been ghosted, I've ghosted totally. guys. Or you just stop talking. You've kind of ghosted fizzle. them? I understand a yeah. fizzle. I don't understand a full ghost. Why does it happen for you? So like with me, I, I rarely, I usually tell them if I'm not going to be interested in it anymore, mm-hmm. but like some, um, I'll give you an example. This one guy totally liked him and I don't tell guys I like them like yeah. off the bat. Like yeah. I just kind of, you know, let it go. So I told this guy I really liked him and he told me he liked me as well. Oh, I didn't hear from him for a month, for a month. Like it had been a month and I just completely just deleted him on all social media. I blocked him. Because like, don't say one thing and do yes. another. That's my, that's my main things. I'm like, your actions must match your words. Like, I don't know how many people I've had to, well, just, I, that's, that's why my former Dom and I are no longer together because actions didn't match his words. And I'm just like, what the, well, so he ghosted you. That's not you really ghosting. He started well, well, it. I guess you're right. You're right. Okay. But I, I did, I did after like a, a been a week and you know, when you tell somebody you like them and I had explained, I said, look. I've been alone for two years. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't have time for this bullshit, you know, but I do like you and I'd be willing to date you. And I, and I, I don't want children, but he had a kid, mm. you know, mm. but I told him that was a factor. I was like, I'm willing to date to see where this goes. But like, then again, I don't just throw my heart out there like that because yeah. I have been. So that's why I do the friends with benefits because in the long run, if I really see a guy who makes effort and actually wants to date me and, court me then maybe but I haven't met any guy worthwhile yeah I I do tell people well in my new attempts at online dating that are off and on since April I've been saying something to the effect of like I'm down to get to know you and I feel like if we really like each other it'll shake out like I'm not too worried about it you know like and I want to have sex with you if you want to have sex and if you don't please let me know but then people are very do you feel like you ever overpower people with your sexual confidence? Because you do feel very confident to me. Is that your experience of yourself as well? I think sometimes that guys get intimidated about how like open I am and how like I'm just straight to the point. I'm very blunt and honest because if you don't 
lay like what you deserve on the table or you take certain shit from guys, they're not going to respect you. They don't, they're not going to give two fucks about you. Yeah. But that, and that's why I do that. I lay like, I lay them out when I'm talking to guys like on Tinder or plenty of fish or okay. Cupid or Bumble. Like I'll be like, look, this is what I'm looking for. A friend with benefits, but consistency mm-hmm. is key. Like, but you know, and I, and I will let them know, like I have a couple guy friends, but that I hook up with, but it's very inconsistent. I would, you know, I work three jobs, I'm busy and I, you know, balance my friends time, like family yeah. time, my time. You know? But then I think that either one, they start to like me or two, that it's just so overwhelming because I'm actually being completely honest right. and transparent. And do you think it scares yeah. some people away? I think it has, to be honest. But then the thing is, is like, then they don't deserve me. They don't deserve to get this. Well, it's like they you know? can't handle you. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, and I, I, I mean, I'm fun and, and a lot to handle, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, God, there's so many things I want to ask you about. Will you just tell us some of your favorite things about sex? Okay. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love like foreplay. That is like probably, I'd probably have foreplay over sex. It's just the buildup, the touching, the. Can you describe for us like with some details? like a foreplay sequence just right now off the top of your head that you would love? I love like kissing and I love like going slow and then just kind of getting a little rough and like just making out passionately mm-hmm. and then just, you know, touching while I'm kissing them. I always love a guy to get super, it turns me on the more I make a guy hard, the more I'm more like, I want to tease him because I've been called a tease, but like a good tease. Yeah. Like I'll, you know, I like a lot of t- uh, caressing for sure. And then I just, I, I, I like my neck and my boobs kissed a lot and sucked on, but I also love a little, like a rough too, like a little biting and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about beards? I love beards. Yeah. As long as they're maintained. I was just curious about beards on nipples. That's what I was thinking about as you were talking. Have you ever had like a good beard nipple experience? Oh, no. I mean, I actually, I don't mind hair. I don't, I mean, as long as it's like not over, I mean, everyone has hair. So like, it's natural. I mean, I like, I like, I would say probably I'd rather have hair on a guy than no hair at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I like guys who trim, but, you know, do a little manscape and don't have it like a forest down there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, I mean, then again, they're not, it's natural, but it's, I guess I have preference, okay. but not, not that I'm like, I mean, I've been with all kinds of men. So, yeah. 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 I feel like it's one of those things that at the end of the day, I'm like, do you have body parts? Could I make it feel good? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. It's easy. <laughs> yeah. Like if it's sexy enough. So, how did you discover your submissive part? So, I've always loved to please like it's it's very hot to know that I'm turning somebody on the fact that they're like moaning and and like wanting more of it it's just really it's very hot it's it's like validation like I'm doing something so good and I know I'm good at it but like it's nice to make somebody feel good I just love I love it I'm I love hard and I like hard so I fuck hard too <laughs> love that. When did you first become conscious of the fact that you liked to please people? Because it took me forever. Like, I, 
I was 27 when I finally started exploring submission, like actually formal BDSM kink submission with a master. And it was only then that I like looked back on my 21 and 22 year old server cocktail waitress bartender self where I was like, no wonder I love that job so much. Like I got to make everybody happy and just like give them whatever they wanted. Because I was the person that was always like, do you need a water? Do you need anything else? When did you become conscious of that? Probably in my like late twenties. Um, like I've, I just, I was after, you know, being with Jay and then like not experienced, like, like having an orgasm with other guys. It was like, you know, when I actually started hooking up with pleasers, it was more like, you know what, the fact is they like want to please me. I want to please them more because it's not, it's not like you're going to do this and you're going to please me and you don't get any, it's more like the fact that he showed effort makes me want to show effort more. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Like, like the, the fact that a guy can be like, Oh my gosh, you just make me feel so good. It just, it gets me. Cause I, I mean, I like, I guess I'm a people pleaser in general. Yeah. Like, you know, like you said, I let do. me give you your water. I I'm do. very people. And, I'm like, can I um, feed you? Can I cuddle you? Can I t- do you need a, what, do, a foot rest? Do you, uh, what do you need? <laughs> like, yeah, no, for sure. Cause you, I mean, it makes you feel good about yourself knowing that you make those people happy. Right. I just love to be helpful if I can be helpful. I mean, that's part of the reason I do this podcast. And like when people write me nice notes saying that I'm helpful, I feel purposeful. Like, I feel like, oh, good. At least I'm making some use out of this human body, whatever I'm doing here, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I think that's me too, is like, I have a lot of friends. I love taking care of people, Hmm. but to an extent now it's more like I put myself first in, in now every situation, because I used to, I guess to the point where I, I help people so much it hurts me, Mm. but I've learned the hard way. Right. So I have boundaries and like I said, communication, you know, like you make me feel this way because and it's not, maybe you're not aware aware of it, but I'm telling you how I feel as opposed to being like, oh, well, you can do anything for them, but would they do the same for you? Would you care to share any of the hard things that helped you create those boundaries? Um, Yeah, sure. So I was like on and off with this guy for like eight plus years and it was a relationship, even though he said it wasn't a relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, I definitely took care of him more than I should have and basically got all the girl, he got all the girlfriend benefits, but I didn't get the boyfriend benefits. And, you know, it was a horrible cycle of uh, codependency. And then when I finally realized, you know, what I was doing and he was an alcoholic, so it didn't help. I started, you know, saying no to people in general, like some of my friends, this person, Mm -hmm. and then realizing that I had to weed out all those bad apples. Yeah. So in the long run, I, I just started seeing my worth because I would feel worthless. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I would, he would make me feel worthless, but, but it was both of our faults. Like it was my fault. It was his fault. And I don't blame him entirely, but I learned to start doing things that wouldn't necessarily say I'm going to go use you, but how does this benefit me and how does it benefit them? It sounds, if I'm understanding you correctly, like there's a really clear understanding of your own value that you've developed and that you do deserve a certain level of like treatment per per your desires. Yeah. And that was a hard thing. I mean, the, 10 years ago, I would be like, yes, what can I do for you? <laughs> yes. Be in the bedroom and relationships and family relationships and in general, you know, and you get to the point where you're just like, 
you know, some of this is you have toxic traits where you like to take care of mixed people, but really you're just hurting yourself. Right. Would you say having boundaries in place that support your desires has affected your sex life? I think they've made it better because it's healthier to talk about boundaries than have no boundaries at all. Hmm. How do you have those conversations with people? When I start saying I'm going to start like I want to look for a hookup and I just, you know, hey, how's it going? What exactly are you looking for? What are you into? And if they name something like, you know, I'm very open now, but this is like maybe back in the day, like what I guess now. Well, I guess now. So I'd be like, what are you into? This is what I'm into. Certain things are off the table because I've never done those things. Am I willing to try them? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm socially awkward. I can just kind of have a conversation with a stranger. Yeah, you it- can. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just started talking to me like I was already your friend. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this isn't weird. This is amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I just I mean, I grew up in a family of 20. So you kind of had to be heard. So I mean. I've done a lot of growing and learning the last like 10, 15 years about people's boundaries, um, my boundaries. And I think that like my parents, they they adopted all of us and they fixed us. So it makes me want to be trying to help other people more. But then sometimes in the long run, I get hurt. Mm. But I'm I'm sick of being hurt. And, and I think that like now I might, you know, my mom and dad are so sweet. I love them to death, but they obviously don't approve of my lifestyle of drinking and smoking, but they know that like, I don't want kids or want to get married and they're finally okay with that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not, it's not, it's so cultured, you know, Mormons, you have five kids by this time. It's like, I'm, if I end up being with nobody, I'm okay with that Yeah, because I've been alone for the last two years when you're constantly around people like family and friends, like, and you don't know how to be yourself by yourself, there's no way you could be with somebody. Like, I've learned that the hard way. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about how you approach new humans in your life? Like, how your use of the apps is? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, I'm very, like, I'll, I'll say on my Tinder app, like, I'm like, I'm quirky, I'm curvy, I'm looking to connect. And also, I go with the flow. I don't, I don't plan ahead. I just kind of step by step. You do go with the flow. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. How do you do it? How does that feel? I just kind of just let things go like jive, you know, if it's if there's no force, like I don't feel like I have to force myself to talk to you, you know, I'm just, I don't know, there's I just I guess I've always just been really really good with people I've managed. And so I know how to try to look for some kind of connection. Mm. So if I match with a guy, I'm very forward. So I'll be probably the first one to make a message and be like, Hey, this, my name's Jess. I think you're pretty handsome. Um, I like what I see. If you're interested in chatting, let's chat. You know, it's not, I, and and like I said, uh, straight off too, I'll be like, Hey, I'm just letting you know that I will lay all my cards on the table. Let me know what you're looking for because I don't want to waste your time or mine. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Indian. I was, I was raised by American parents. So I've loved uh, all like I think all men like are very attractive, but I really just prefer white guys. Uh-huh. Like I just I've always just been I mean, since I was little, you know, I've loved redheads. Redheads are my jam. I love I love their white skin up against my dark, pretty skin. Uh-huh. Do you like do you prefer freckly redheads or not freckly ones? Do you care? Oh my God. I love I love freckles. They're so hot. Yeah. There's about a, a, pi- a pasty white redhead man up against your body. It's just it <laughs> 
<laughs> they're girthy. They're just not freckly. <laughs> but like, uh, I'll get uh, back to I'll get like some messages like on plenty of fish from a lot of darker guys, and I'll be completely honest with them with being a respectful. You know, I'll be, like, hey, um, you're not my cup of tea. You know, okay. best of luck. Okay. But then, you know, you also get responses with, so I'm curvier. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, you're just fat. Like, I, I'm like, you just messaged me. I'm beautiful. You know, like I do well, with that. Oh, oh, so they're just being assholes. Like after you are not into them. Oh, fuck. How does yeah. that feel? How do you, what the fuck? How do you handle that? I mean, like I've been online dating since I was, gosh, probably 15 years ago, you know, uh-huh. so like. I have just, I've dealt with all kinds and like, I am, this is the biggest I've ever been, but, mm-hmm. and I'm curvier and, but like, that's just, it's just, you got to take with a grain of salt. The, these guys, if you're not, I, I tell them from the get, like, I'm not trying to lead you on. So I'm going to tell you best of luck. And if you're not going to respect the fact that I don't like you, then I'm just going to block you. Yeah. Well, and also but, like, how the fuck could we like every person we come in contact with? Like, I like a lot of people, but you can't. Yeah. I'm very just straight to the point about what I'm looking for. If they don't want to be consistent, then that's fine. If you just want to hook up and we can hook up once or twice, then that's fine too. But be honest with yourself on what you're really looking for. Have you ever been with a pasty, freckly guy and taken a photo of like the contrast of your skins? Oh my gosh, no, that'd be such a good idea. Can you please do that? Also, the other thing I want to know is, do you feel comfortable talking about like the relationship you have with your body and how that relates to your sexual self? Like, how do you feel inside? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like my self-esteem and stuff like that. All of it, yeah. Like, when do you feel Uh, best in your body? Do Do the shitty things those assholes say to you affect you? Like, how? Well, like, you know, obviously, like, I've been, I mean, I've had guys be like, oh, you'd be a lot prettier if you're skinnier. But guess what? I'm, this is who I am. And if you don't like it, then that's your loss, not mine. But when people say those kinds of things to me, it's like a projection of themselves, not me. Yeah. Like, of course, of course, I'd maybe like to be like 30 pounds lighter, but you know what? I'm not, but I still fucking bring guys in, you know, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, you're I'm, fucking fox. I'm confident, you know, mm-hmm. confident really is the key. Like, so what I've learned is, you know, I, it took me a long time to like self-love. I'm still trying to love myself every day. Me too. You know, I'm never going to be a size zero and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, like everybody is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're skinny or you're big. It's all about how you treat yourself and other people. Yeah. How do you treat yourself to yeah. like, like celebrate your physical being? So like, I definitely, I like to smoke. Yeah. <laughs> oh my smoker. gosh. Do you, to smoke pot. <laughs> how does it feel? It feels good in your body. Yeah. And I just, uh, I have depression. And it, it makes me just feel like I can do or think whatever I want, no matter what. I mean, I just, I feel more free with mm-hmm. weed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, that makes me feel good. I definitely, I think words of affirmation for sure. I know that I'm not sure what you would, but like, I definitely like, if you are nice to yourself, you wouldn't say bad things about your friends. So why would you talk bad things about yourself? I'll say like, like I said, this is the biggest I've ever been. I played a lot of soccer growing up and I was athletic and then I kind of let myself go. But in a sense, like I'm older, like our bodies are going to change no matter what. Mm -hmm. And like, I've, I've learned to be more kind and 
loving to myself because I do deserve love and I, I deserve to be worthy of somebody else and they need to be worthy of me in a sense, more like I used to be very like, I'm, I'm not worth anything. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't be in a relationship. What's wrong with me? And it's not that I can't get a relationship. It's the fact that I've settled for bad relationships, Yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I try like, I just try to hide myself up every day. I usually, I know a lot of people, girls, they get ready and all that. I'm like, Oh, it's such a process. But like when you do get ready, you're like, dang, I, I am a 10. I'm a queen. <laughs> yeah. like, that's why I call my girlfriends. I'm like, you're a queen, like slay. You get, mm. you know, hold that crown up high. Fuck yeah. So, because, and I also empower, like if more women were more empowered by like, like you, like you're just so loving, women wouldn't hate on other women because you could look at somebody and um, be like, wow, that woman's really beautiful and admire her. But then she's thinking, oh, that she's probably thinking I'm ugly. It's insecurities, mm. you know, and I have insecurities, but I try to be like, you know, what are 10 other things that are great about me that, uh, you know, that I love about myself rather than, oh, I'm, I need to really start working out more and eating healthy, yeah. you know, like yeah. I need to focus on the positive, not the negative. Totally. Do you smoke weed when you fuck? Do you like that? Oh What's I it love, feel like? Of having sex and smoking weed. It's the best feeling. I mean, I prefer it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it like magnet, it like 10,000 magnitude when you are stoned. I prefer smoking and fucking and in between. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Can you tell us just some of your like go-to turn-ons and turn-offs? I know we heard about like the foreplay stuff you love, but is there like, do you want to talk a little bit more about some of the kinky stuff that you were talking about specifically or t- t- where do you want to take us next? One of my biggest turn-ons is when uh, like a guy like chokes me right before I come. Like that's like such a intense like feeling that like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like intoxicating. Like that's one of my favorite things. And can you tell us specifically what sort of conversations you have ahead of time or in the process to make sure that you feel safe being choked while coming? Yeah. So I'll ask. I mean, I definitely am like, okay, so I don't know if you've ever done this, but I really just like to be choked right before I I climax. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel comfortable, I've had one guy tell me no, which is completely, you know, respectful. Yeah. Cause he's like, I just do that to a woman. And, yeah. and I was just like, that's fine. It's not for everybody. But yeah, no, for sure. And so I just like, how do you feel about it? And if there's this, I tell him like, if it's, if you're doing it too hard, I'm going to be like harder, but mm. like, that's my secret. Mm. Just to stop. But I realistically, I've never been, wait, I've your never safe been. word is harder. Your yeah, actual just, safe word? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, that's how I'm, I have dark humor. Okay. <laughs> but don't you get nervous that you're with someone who's not very experienced as a dom hearing safe words and they would fuck up or like? I've never, I mean, I've never. You've never encountered. Okay. Hard, or, or I'd probably be like, that hurts really bad. But like, I've never, I've just, so like lately I've had the same consistency. I haven't been with multiple partners. Okay for like a month now yeah, yeah, but yeah. The, it's the same three people like they tinder hookups like over the years so okay. they know they know how i am you know what to expect have you ever asked somebody about the choking thing and like the look in their eyes like a little too excited and you've said no or has that come up i mean no i mean it's always <laughs> just worked out i guess i've gotten lucky with i mean some guys love it i mean some guys who just 
it's it, like this one guy, his name, we'll, we'll call him Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, he absolutely loves doing it. And I love him doing it to me because when he looks in my eyes and he does it, yeah. it's like, he knows how much it turns me on. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if it's, you know, consent and talked about, I mean, I've never had, I've never not talked to a guy before we've gone into like, yeah. this is what I like because they don't, they don't have a crystal ball. You right. Know? Right. They don't. And are you converting vanilla people or are you meeting people who are already kinky or is it a mixture? It's a mixture of both. And I definitely, I do love teaching. You do? Like, yeah, I do. I guess it just depends on the guy for me because oh, that's a if point. I like, really connect with them, yeah. then they're willing and they're, they're worth it. But I, I, I mean, I have been with guys and like, this guy can't even kiss and he's 40. Yeah. I cannot teach him. That's such a good point. Can you tell us specifically about your orgasm? So we hear that choking, does it intensify it? What is it? How does it feel? Like what it what really gets you off or what are some different things you need in place to orgasm or just tell us about your orgasm, please. So my I'm I I just learned how to squirt like three months ago. How did you learn? So I taught myself first. I like watching some porns. Amazing. Like, um, cause like, obviously I never like saw pornography until I was like 23 with my girlfriend. Yeah. Like, you know, cause it, that's in the church. It's very, I mean, it's very looked down on. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I get it. It's just all moderation, but to each their own. But yeah, I just like, was like, you know, I really want to learn how to squirt. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, I definitely am a squirter. So when like they choke me, it just, I love the pressure me too. around my neck, knowing that they have full control of my how my orgasm is going to go. Yeah. So like the harder they do it. And then right when I, um, squirt or, you know, I mean, I, I come really hard. So do you, is, is squirting and coming related for you? Cause for me, it's not necessarily, but sometimes it can be, but it's not like a given. So like I've come, but like, I think that when I squirt, depending on the pressure that if like I'm having, if, I, if someone's going down on me or, you know, penetration, depending on, that yeah. then I come harder when I was I guess when a guy is fucking me hard I'll I'll squirt all over his, his cock yeah yeah I'll come harder but if he's like going down on me I won't it won't be as intense right 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 other kinky things I love role playing I'm definitely into I love hotel sex mm, what like what like how like who there's like something there's just something about being in a hotel like it being so like you know meaning of the bar or yeah. just like knocking on the wrong room or you know like cops and robber kind of thing you know and is it like is hotel sex fun for you if you had a partner even if they like live in the same town and you go get a hotel for the night or is it like only for out-of-town lovers like does it matter for you no like no I know I think it's I, I there's just something about like going to a hotel it's just like so like mysterious you know totally. like me my little brother's so funny because he's like i'm surprised you've never like had a really bad situation online or gotten murdered i'm like i'm just smart i go off a of vibe yeah so like i've had guys been like okay come to my hotel my hotel room and you know we'll fuck and hook up mm-hmm. like but i always give my like location or something yep. so there's, there's something about the thrill yes yes that gets me Ugh. so it's just it's it's naughty and it's it's fun it's so you know, hot super hot. One of my early lovers, like maybe the, let's see, 
He's the third person I ever, fourth person I've ever had sex with. He was an Australian pilot who worked for Qantas, but he was young. Like he was 23, I was 19 and he would fly in and out of Los Angeles. And every time that he was like on a trip in Los Angeles, we would see each other. So like every month or two for like two years and they would put their pilots up at the Newport Beach, like one of the Newport Beach Marriott's, I think. And so it was like right by this kind of like fancy area. And so it's, you know, it's like a 45 minute to an hour drive from where I was going to school and like... It was so fun to go there and have these like really romantic dates and have hotel sex. And I was so like bad at sex because I didn't know what was happening. Like I remember like wanting to like him so bad and being so excited to have sex with him. And that was one of my early experiences. He was the first person that I had like multiple rounds of sex with a lot, you know, ongoing. And I couldn't figure out how to make it better. And that's kind of my early origin obsession, but like the the hotness of like, what room is he in this time? Or like just that, the smell of a hotel or like wearing a robe. Ugh, I feel you. Right, or after, or after, after we have sex, that's hot too. Yes, <laughs> like, like getting room service or like French fries in the middle yeah. of the night or whatever, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to, I've never done this, but let's just say I love a hot shower and I love a hot shower massager. Mm. So I want to be, have like dripping candle wax, like all down my area. Oh, you know, you have to make sure you get the right wax, right? Like don't use a real yeah. candle, use one for body wax play. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, I'm so excited for you to experience like, that. I've never done that. And then I told like about like having my first threesome. I'm excited to experience that next month. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so, are you guys talking about things ahead of time or what is that conversation like? So, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. Uh, he told me, actually, he texted me the other day that his wife is, like, so excited to do mm -hmm. this. So, um, that they're just going to rock my world. And I'm, like, so comfortable with them because I've met her the second week I started dating him. And he's already and, your lover or he's he's someone you're just talking to, just so our listeners can know? So he's just someone I'm dating. He, mm -hmm. They're in an open marriage. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we date, we go on two or three dates a week. And so, like, we've talked about what I'm willing to do and like what I feel comfortable doing and like what to expect. Cause I, w I was nervous, but I'm like, why should I be nervous? Like, yeah. I think it's going to be fun. And and I'm into voyeurism also. Like, I think it's hot. I've never yeah. actually, like I like watching porn, but I've never seen other people like live. Yeah. But I'm excited to experience that too. That's something that's, I've never, because obviously here in Utah, you don't have sex clubs or, right. you know, there's underground ones, but I've never, I've never come across one. Yeah, you have to go sniff them out. So the conversations about your boundaries and what you're comfortable with, did you initiate that or did he, or do you just talk about sex a lot with partners? What's that like? With him? Yeah. Cause like, he's like, I know you've never experienced this. What exactly are you looking to get into? Because like, I am vicarious, but I don't, and I love lesbian porn too. I think girls are really any woman ad I admire beauty in all mm -hmm. in all mm -hmm. ways, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But I I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm comfortable. I would be going down on her yet, or even trying to finger her. Maybe like some kissing. Like I've made out with my girlfriends, you know, mm -hmm. or like touching. But like she wants to fuck me with a strap on, and I think that's something I've always like. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Like DP. I want them to DP. <gasps> okay, so are you into butt stuff? <laughs> We talked yeah, about yeah. butt plug and now I'm hearing DP. So do you, will you please tell us yeah. about your butt stuff? Yeah. So I never had like experienced any like butt stuff until like eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I kind of like 
kind of liked anal. Like I'd never done it before. I've only done it with like three guys. It took a little bit, you know, to like the person I was with at the time, like how I go about it because I'd never done it before. And like, I mean, it turns me on to turn a guy on. Like if I want like want to like caress his prostate, like I actually like doing that. Yeah, me too. Because I think some guys find shame in it. Like they're, if they're, a lot you know, of them it doesn't matter. I think that it's, it's, it feels good. It feels good. Yep. Right. I slowly moved into it doing that, like having a finger up there and then being like, well, I think I want to try anal. Mm-hmm. So I, and I, and I gave, I have eaten ass. I did that first time a couple, couple months ago. How was it? It was interesting. Like, I mean, I've had guys do it to me, but mm-hmm. I didn't do it back to them. They didn't want me to, mm-hmm. but this one guy I did and I was like, yeah, it's not bad. I don't know if it's, if it's not my jam, but maybe if I find like this guy I'm hooking up with now, I'm more, I want to, yeah, you know, I do. it seems more fun with him than the other guy. Not that the other guy was bad, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was not as a fun experience. I feel like so. so much, I would love to hear your thoughts on like why you think that is, but what I'm noticing for myself lately more and more is the feeling of mutual desire needs to be there for me to get excited. Like if I, Like, and I need to feel like they are desiring me approximately the same amount that I'm desiring them because I don't want the imbalance. I don't want someone who wants me way more than I want them. I don't want someone who wants an idea of me. I want someone who like wants all my parts and I want to want them back. Like those are the people that I want to stick my tongue up their asshole. And if it's not there, then I'm sort of like, I I feel exactly the same way because when you want, I mean, it's nice to feel wanted, but when you have the same when you're on the same level of respect and boundaries and yeah. pleasure, it's, it's, it's awesome because you already plan. You don't have to, it doesn't give you that anxiety. Am I doing this? What do I need to do to please them? And with his name, the guy I'm seeing, he's like, what can I do? Let me know if I need to do anything better. And I said, same goes for you. If I, you know, but he's like, no, you please me well. <sighs> and he does the same well. But like, we talk about every, like, that's, what's so weird about this is like, this has actually worked for me. Yeah. It's just, clear consistency transparency one guy saying one thing and doing another and it's like almost like i'm self-sabotaging i'm like why is this going so well well why does this wife like me so much you know what i mean it's just nice to feel the same like with the level of intimacy yes yes and i feel like having that balance that solid foundation in the relationship is what allows it to not be perfectly like tit for tat pleasure wise every single session does that make sense like you're anchored in something stronger. Yeah. And in one of your episodes, um, it was, I had the sim- similar things when this guy that I had seen for a long time, he would, uh, he would want me to give him head. And I said, okay, well you can give, go down on me. He's like, no, I get a fuck you. And I said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, he, or another guy I dated like years ago, he said, um, I, I, I'm like, you've never gone down on me. Why is that? And he's like, I just don't like to. I'm like, so you expect me to suck your dick. And get pleasure out of it and then not touch me at all. Like, it doesn't work that way. Did he say anything? Like, did you say that to him? Did he say anything? Oh, I said, I straight up said, he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the last time we ever hooked up. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people are okay with that. But at this point, I'm just like, I want a partner who doesn't yuck any part of me. So if someone isn't willing, and and that's why, honest, I guess I'm getting to the point where maybe I am such a butt slut. Like I was talking to a guy recently who is like, it's, I could date someone who's like, ah, anal's not my thing, but he was like, ugh, anal, ugh, ugh. 
And yeah. just hearing that, I was like, that's fine if that's your opinion, but it's hard for me to want to be with someone who I know that some part of my body is like that repulsive to them. Or just like there's some like sh work that shame still has like a strong enough hold on them because I don't understand disliking butt sex and like or like no not disliking it I understand disliking it I don't understand that ugh, reaction unless it's like, related to it's shame the stigma of it yeah like, oh, gross like yeah. oh you, like um or like or you know my so obviously growing up Mormon g being gay you know right. was wrong I I mean but my best friend he's He's gay, and I'm like, I, I, I mean, I think I, I watch gay porn. I think it's interesting. I think it's hot. I do, I do too. Daisy chains. The reason that I wish like I could be a man is because I want to be in like the line or circle of people who are like f fucking each other, and they're all connected. Do you know what I mean? Like they're fucking and getting fucked at the same time. I just think that's such a yeah, cool thing. I could do very... it with a strap on, but it's not the same. <laughs> that's true. I, I've actually kind of thought of that too. I'm like, I wonder if a guy would ever let me like do that to him but the guys he's straight which is fine but uh he definitely is willing to do some things for me so okay. you know does he straight uh, mean he doesn't want anything up his butthole because i know a lot of straight guys that still like things up their buttholes oh he he does like a finger okay. up there he does like that so he's just not so, into pegging he's yeah he's not okay. into pegging. yeah that, okay. he's just not into are you into sexting or like sending nudes Yes, I am very guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> guilty? But, yes, great. I, I, but I get. I figure if they're willing to send me theirs, why not send their mine? But when it's just the way the tact about it, you know, like I love, yes. I love me a girthy cock. So if you're, if I'm making you hard and you send me a picture, that's like, that's a huge turn on for me, knowing that I caught that. Okay. Do you ask for it though? Or do they like, because I do think that there is something to do with timing and unsolicited nudes. Like if I'm talking to a new guy and he immediately like day one, moment one, like five texts in is like, I'm so hard now. Here's my cock without when I, I it, like for me, I'm just yeah. like, I wasn't turned on and you didn't ask and I don't care anymore. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah no, that is for sure. If a guy automatic, cause I know you get a lot of DM pictures <laughs> I mean, some I of the worst, yeah, no. stupidest stuff. I talk, I talk about it too, because like I'm not just gonna send. I mean, I've been guilty of sending pictures, but I'm not gonna just send it to anybody. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like you have, especially guys who are like begging off the bat. Send me your tits. Send me your pussy. You know, it's it's like no, I would like to get. To, if I'm gonna let you stick my dick in me, your dick in me, let me try to get to know you a little yeah, bit. It's like, and then why don't you try to make me want to send you something first? Like, why don't you try to use your brain and your man words <laughs> to like make it, it fun it, for me? So that's the thing. A lot of guys don't want to do the work; they just expect yeah. it. Yeah. If you're them. if you're demanding and expecting, then that just shows me you're probably gonna be lazy in bed, and I'm out now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, lay there like a dead fish. <laughs> no, thank you. So, do you have any specific like things you love about dirty texting or things that you're just like, oh god, no? I love when a guy will text me and be like, "Hey, um, I'm just thinking about you, and I'm really hard right now, and I mm. wish you were with me." Mm. Like stuff like that is a turn on, so it makes me more inclined to be like, "Well, what would you be doing if I yes, was there?" Yes, yes. Give me the details like do you wish I was st stroking your dick or straddling you yeah. what do you want you know oh, and then I just kind of like you know go in my head and like man now I'm so horny I wish he was with me <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so you're about to explore group sex. Would you want to go to a sex club or a sex party if it was the right circumstances? Yeah, um, one of my best girlfriends, uh, we actually made two of my girlfriends. We've talked about going because we're all into voyeurism. We think it'd be really fun. Mm -hmm. Not with each other, but like we're so comfortable. Wait, what do you mean? Not watching each other or you wouldn't want to watch other people together? No, watching each other. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah, because like this, uh, a lot of guys, when they say like, I'm looking for like consistency or friends of benefits are like, oh, well, does that include your friends? It's like, uh, that's a hard no. I'm very open and sexual with my girlfriends, but I don't hook up with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know. Yes. But especially when guys keep on pushing, we're like, oh, your roommate's hot. I'm like, dude, boundaries. Oh, yeah. I mean, even I, I do hook up with my friends. Or I have at this point, I think, hooked up with most of my friends who, not all of them, but most of the friends who want to hook up with me. And now it's COVID, so I'm on, I'm on pause mostly. But yeah. the fact that any lover of mine might expect that that automatically makes them, like, greenlit. Enti- yeah. yeah. When, if someone's entitled, I'm like, oh, goodbye. Yeah. Like, they automatically think that once they get you, they get your friends. Like, I'm not, yeah. I've, I, I'll, I've, I've had my girlfriends hook up with some of my like ex-boyfriends but it's because I didn't care mm-hmm. you know like I, but I'm not gonna be like oh you can sleep with 10 of my girlfriends you know, I don't pass them along like one of my one of my girlfriends so funny she's like yeah I've been talking to this guy and I'm plenty of fish I'm like oh let me see him and and I was like dude I just fucked this guy last week and she's like <laughs> and she's like are you sure like do you care I'm like dude it was just a fuck like yeah. he's very good in bed so oh, please good. like you know that kind of thing yeah and and dated him for four years <laughs> really yeah whoa but see i'm yeah. like wow that's kind of amazing so okay so we have so you and your girlfriends might go to a swingers club i think we veered off of that but yeah okay. like to watch other people i think the first if i ever did go i'd watch and then observe and then the next time maybe do something naughty yeah fuck yeah what other things that we haven't talked about yet do you want to explore either more deeply or at all I've never even worn lingerie for a guy. I've never, that's something I want to experience in just like, oh, so I've never like had like a healthy relationship. Like I love you. Mm -hmm. I've never been loved, but I would love to have that. Like, but without the relationship kind of thing. What do you mean exactly? So like, I like the situation I'm in right now. I like being the other person. Uh Like I like him, but I don't would necessarily say like I want to be with like I don't want to be his third like I like him and his wife his wife has a a boyfriend and and then I'm dating him but like I would like to experience that without being like oh I love you I just want to be able to like wear lingerie and yeah and like like, please him and like be sex just feel sexy it doesn't have to be like oh honey I'm home you know yeah yeah yeah. oh I mean that's I had that with my former dom for a year one perfect year and then He wanted to bring I love yous into it. He initiated I love yous and it ruined everything. <laughs> I don't think love ruins everything, but I think that situation could not sustain an I love you and a type of relationship that goes with that. Like, and it brought in all the bullshit. Like that's when he started bringing his bullshit into the relationship. And before that, we had just had this like really intimately connected sex life. So like you guys had a nook and he kind of ruined that. Oh, he right? ruined it. He ruined it because he got jealous, like a jealous baby. He got jealous and insecure and then wanted to like, claim me more by talking about how much he loved me and that he wanted to marry me and mm-hmm. you know he's still married <laughs> to someone that's not me <laughs> like he's never gonna get a divorce 
Exactly. And like, if he like took proper steps and maybe showed you if you felt the same way, but you've already were very clear of what you were looking for when you were on that yep, fight. I was yeah. you got lucky. The first one you talked to, oh, he was, so good. it was a begin- mean, beginner's luck. It's the only time I've experienced beginner's luck. So it feels like a the guy I'm seeing, he, he wants me. He's like, and if you have your still friends with benefits, that's fine too. Like he knows, yeah. like we talk about who's sleeping with who. Cause I like, great. you know, I'm like safety first. Yes. Okay. Can we uh, circle back and talk about safety first a little bit more? Cause you sound like you do a lot of clear talking and it sounds, would you say it's easy for you? You just like lay it down. Yeah, I do. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm also guilty of like, you know, I'm sure everyone slips up like where you don't use the condom mm. and you need to go get tested. Like mm-hmm. that's huge. Cause like I would feel so bad if I ever gave anyone an STD. I, obviously I knowing that I hurt somebody or gave them an infection, like without, with the being careless, like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. doesn't, that doesn't fly. That just shows you what level of respect you have for that person. Yeah. And in one instance, this guy I was seeing his ex cheated on him and gave him chlamydia. Oh. And he texted me and told me because the, when we, had started hooking up again we used condoms and then seeing he was walking me out the door and the next thing we were fucking like just happened so quickly yeah. and so we didn't use condom and he you know he had that level of respect to be like hey i just want to let you know um i just got tested and i'm like well i've never been in this situation before because i'm always very open about okay i get tested every six months or three depending on how many people i'm sleeping with yeah. and uh if you are the same i'd like to you know if you're smart, I mean, if you're, if you, if you want to conti- consistently sleep with me, you need to be smart about it. And if you want to sleep with other people, you need to use a condom. Yeah. And be really clear so, about what's happening and communicate me with me. I also yeah. like to have people get tested between partners or if, you know, if I talk to someone who hasn't been tested in a while and has been sleeping with other people, you know, and I don't know, do you ever use condoms for blowjobs? No, and actually yeah. I was listening to one of your pod and I've never done that. And I, I like thought about it and I was like, I would like to try that to see how that feels on him yeah. and how I feel about that as well. Me too. Because I know, I know that you've told, you were, t- you've been talking about what had happened to you. I have and... throat herpes. I'm just going to keep saying it yeah. <laughs> as often yeah, as yeah. possible. Well, I, did, I, did, I mean, I know you don't care. I just was being like about how your your partner didn't disclose that to you. He didn't tell and, me like, he slept with someone. Our agreement was he was supposed to tell me if he slept with someone else unprotected. Yeah. He didn't do that. And he didn't. No. And we had and, multiple conversations about sexual health. Well, And that just shows you, though, like, I'm not saying I'm sure, like, it, that just shows you, like, the level of respect. I'm not saying you just des- no one deserves that shit. Or intelligence. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you, you, some people don't understand it, and like those are mistakes, but you have to understand that like your actions affect other people. And that's why I just, yeah. And it, and it's, I also think, you know, it's respect for other people, but it's respect for yourself. It's like take care of yourself so that you, we can take yeah. care of each other. And I, I also think that's like the spirit of this podcast because by, taking care of our own sexual selves, we can be more available to have better, hotter, more well-communicated, pleasurable sex with each other. And then I think that literally makes the world a better place because then we can be more free and like energetic to do whatever else we're doing with our lives. That's what I think. No, no, you're totally, you're totally right. I mean, I I think that you're completely right. And the the thing is, is that if he, when he told me all this, I said, thank you so much for telling me. And he's like, well, I'm not just some asshole. I'm not going to not tell you. 
because in the past I've dealt with my fair share of like assholes. Yeah. And if a guy is, I've learned this, if a guy is willing to fuck you without a condom the first time, how many other women has he done that with? Lots and lots and lots. And then when I have conversations before meeting these guys, I said, I'll say, um, hey, just letting you know, if we end up hooking up, condoms are a, a first, like yeah. that's the first. And then, and then some guys will give, oh, I can't come with a condom. Oh, I just, you know, I get blue balls, you know, all these excuses. Yep. It's like no condom, no pussy. Great. Cause I, like I said, I'm very open. I, I get tested every three months or six months, depending on my partners, but I'm now I have someone consistent, you know, and, and he's sleep, obviously sleeping with his wife. Yeah. So, yeah. And she's with her boyfriend, but like we've all talked about it and had conversations before doing the deed. <sighs> I just think that's so sexy because you don't have to fucking worry about it once if you if you're actually fucking other adults who can keep each other safe then it's like oh, hot and amazing. right yeah. it's like a one less thing to worry about right yeah and we're all adults here that's a lot of, the problem is people aren't willing to there it's laziness i think i think it's it's a it's a it's a lack of respect for not only themselves but they're disrespecting you and fear. People are so scared to talk about STS. I mean, I, I did have a partner once who got chlamydia. And the way that I found out was that I got a call from the pharmacy saying that my prescription was ready to pick up. And I was like, what prescription? And they told me that it had been called in by, how did they know that? I, yeah, they told me the name of my friend who I'd slept with, whose doctor had called in the prescription for me. So that's how I found out that my friend had contracted an STI from somebody else. And so I went and picked it up and I took the antibiotics because I was traveling and I didn't have time to like go to a clinic and get tested like I was flying early the next morning and it was like 3 p.m. So, yeah. you know, so for people out there who are shy or too ashamed to have that conversation, like at the very least, that's an option. Just have your doctor call in a prescription for your prior lovers. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, I'll be completely honest. The guys that I've like maybe like had one or two hookups with, uh -huh. I'll save their numbers because when I go get tested, yes. I'm just going to let them know. And I also save their, their contact because it, say I went and got tested and I had something, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just letting you know because we did sleep together yeah. um, X amount ago. I'm letting you know. Fuck yeah. Because then I wouldn't feel like, I mean, I know right from wrong and I definitely have a conscious. I couldn't even imagine being like, well, didn't tell that guy, you know. Oh, he's well, fucked, but yeah. And that's how a lot of people, their mentality, because they are, it's a fear. They're scared to actually go get tested. On a completely different note, any fantasies that you'd like to explore that you haven't yet, that we haven't talked about yet? I really want to have a male, male, female threesome. Yeah. Like that's like my ideal fantasy being completely just the center of attention for my birthday. Yes. <laughs> oh, such a good Scorpio present. Yeah, right. I, I just think that it would be the most like greatest feeling knowing that like two men are just all about you. Like mm. when I when I was actually younger in my early 20s, that I had these two guys and they started kind of like just all both kissing me and like touching me, but like we were clothed. And then I was so young, I didn't know how to handle it because it was so overwhelming, you know? Yeah. So I just, I'm like, I sent the other one going and I fuck yeah. <laughs> Okay, so now, today, what would you do? How would you have them worship you? Oh, I definitely think that I'd want them to just, one of them would just kind of just start maybe like kissing me while the other would watch. And then maybe I could start kissing him. 
And then, the you know, like, like I, I'm super into voyeurism, even though I've never seen like any physical voyeurism, like live. I just yeah. think it's so hot to have someone else see me how sexual I am with another person. Yeah. Like, and vice versa. You know what I mean? I think I just think it'd be just it would, I just think that's like one of my ultimate fantasies is just to be a little dominated too, but also be like, this is my birthday. I would love to please you both, but you guys got to, you know, do me first. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to be that's one of my is to be DP'd and then having one guy watch me have sex with one and then switch it up. Oh, so good. Yeah. Do you think you would want a big mirror in your room to watch them watching you? Man, I almost want them just to record it. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. Like that, I think that'd be so hot. Like when I, like I've made, I mean, only with one person. Was, mm-hmm. I they deleted, but like I've, it's hot to see yourself being pleased and pleasing other people. Yeah, I agree. Like, like, look, you're like, damn, I just I licked his dick so good. <laughs> I love watching the recording and being able to relive something I already super duper loved. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like just yeah. getting to be like, ah, oh, I, I did feel that good. And I look so happy and I was, and I am not, you know, like, yeah, that's so sweet. Uh, I, and I also like, so obviously I'm curvier. So like certain guys, like if I'm super comfortable, I'll get like undressed right away. Mm-hmm. Even though like, I'm not like, I haven't been in very many like relationships, like, or like, I love you or been engaged, stuff like that. I definitely feel like, I have to be attracted to them, but I have so have to connect with them too. Like a guy can be as hot as he wants, but if I don't find any kind of like common ground or like having a conversation with somebody I'd never like, I'm pretty easy to talk to and approachable. Yeah. And if you can't like get over that with me, then there's not going to be any sexual chemistry. Yeah. A lot of guys will message me on Tinder, like, I love your curves mm-hmm. or like, but, but don't text me and a message like, mm, mommy, you thick. Cause that's a turnoff for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Yeah. But if a guy like is like, hey, you're very beautiful. I love your curves. Like the way they present themselves. And then I can kind of just know that either I know that he's willing to get to know me and then we can hook up or we just, it's so like sexual tension that we hook up automatically. It's just like, it like I've had a guy come over here and he just, we automatically just hooked up. Like it didn't, it wasn't awkward or anything because we just had that sexual chemistry and like connection from talking. So, I mean, it is, it, it, it is kind of crazy that I can have certain connections with people and not be in a relationship with them. I don't think it's crazy at all. I feel that so strongly. I have barely been in relationships and I also have rarely had sex that was disconnected. I'm not a casual sex person. I'm also not really a relationship person. I feel a lot of, like, I feel like we have that in common. Is there anything else about your sex life that we need to hear before I ask you the wrap-up questions? Everyone deserves love no matter what. doesn't matter if they're brown, if they're white, if they're purple. Like, no one deserves to be hated because of their orientation or their color or their skin. I agree. Yeah, and I just, I just love to love, you know? It's nice to be loved. I'd rather have love than, like, never have that at all. Like, even though, you know, I've never had, like, a serious, crazy relationship, I can love people without doing that. I can... I can make people feel good without having to be in a relationship with them. Yeah. Okay. So if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? Probably when I was 18 
and just say you you are allowed to to cut anybody off who will not will persistent they're persisting you you don't have to feel bad about saying no because i feel like a lot of women especially younger girls in this day and age they're going to do anything they can to make a guy stay and i mean i've you know consent is huge you no means no doesn't mean try harder do you have a sex question for me um have you fulfilled all of your fantasies no no way oh my god no i want to have a gangbang i want to have a dp i want to have I want to at least see what it's like to have a dom-sub relationship with someone that I'm in a relationship, like a romantic relationship with. I've never experienced that, and I'm so curious. I want to go to more sex parties. There's so many things that I want to explore still, and I don't know how I'm going to do it all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I, lo- I, I love talking to you, too. I think I, I'm glad that I, I, like, threw myself out there. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Lovely humans, as promised, here's a little bonus snippet for you. I'd like to introduce to you my good friend, Meredith Hunt. Meredith has been reading hands for almost two decades. She teaches classes and speaks to groups about hand analysis and is also an amazing teacher of children and an incredible creator of stories and just really all around magic. So we aren't actually talking about her personal details in this one. I think you'll understand why, but she is going to talk about how she helps other people specifically when it comes to sexy things. And she's going to take a quick peek at my hand. And I also just want to say I especially love her because like my good friend Tony, who you have met if you've joined us on the live streams, she explains the world to me. And this she can do without hand analysis skills. Um, she, When I get confused, there are a few people in the world who can like look at a situation and translate it into YOEs. And she is one of them. And she was the person to sweetly name me Alien Baby. So welcome, Meredith. Hi. <laughs> really happy to be here. I'm you. so happy to have you here. And I think the first obvious question that all of our listeners will want to know is when you first glance at someone's hands, can you tell how much they masturbate and which hand they use? <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you really? Because if you could tell, how do you think you'd feel about it? I kind of do. You know, it's it's sort of like having a magic power, mm-hmm. but not really. So if somebody, if I meet somebody just out and about and they talk with their hands, as I do, I will absolutely be tracking their palms to see what I could get. Really? And if I could see, oh, this is a master masturbator, <laughs> I, I would just secretly delight in that. I wouldn't do anything with the information. Just no. <laughs> But unfortunately, I can't tell that. What about hand jobs? No. <laughs> I mean, I guess because you can tell if somebody uses their hands for, for labor. So maybe. You're like, oh, your hands are especially supple. You must use a lot of coconut oil. <laughs> exactly. Like, why are you so? But there there are limitations to my powers is what I'm saying. Okay. So how about you tell us what you actually do look for when you're analyzing a hand? I look at two different components of the hand, the palm and the fingerprints. And the palm is the part of the hand that is reflective of what goes on in our brains. So we have all these neural pathways and our thoughts tend to travel the same pathways over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And if you look at your palm, you can see that some of the lines are more deeply etched than others. So this is the map 
mm-hmm. of what is going on in your brain. Palm is personality. How do you relate in relationships? What do you need from relationships? What's your style of communication? How do you figure things out mentally? So heartline is emotional communication. Headline is intellectual. It's the way you move through the world digesting information intellectually. Mm. So what's your intellectual style? The lifeline is not about length of life. Mm. So one of the other things that hand analysis can't tell you is how long you're going to live, how many kids you're going to have, are you going to get married, are you going to get divorced? (laughs) I, I can't do that. And it's not like I'm, I know the information and I'm not saying it. That is old sort of uh, fortune telling predictive palmistry and hand analysis is diagnostic. Mm -hmm. So the lifeline says, how does this person process information through their body? Ooh, so that seems like something that we could absolutely use to discover stuff about ourselves sexually or in relationship. Yes, in the sense that, for example, if you so the lifeline is the long curvy line that wraps around the base of the thumb. Mm-hmm. And if you look at yours now, you can see is it complete? So does it start up here and yours? Oh yeah, I forgot to say I sent Meredith pictures of my hands ahead of time so she can look at them and tell us about them because webcams just don't cut it and I'm too shaky. Yeah, webcams do not cut it. Um so yeah, so Wyo's Uh, Both of yours, both of your lifelines complete, which is great. When I say great, that sounds very value judgment. Mm -hmm. What I mean by great is there is a track that you have for you to understand your body, what it needs, when it needs to rest, Mm -hmm. uh, when you need to rest. Now, there can be other marks that counteract. So that's the thing with hands also, just like with astrology, everything is modifying everything else. Yeah, yeah. So you might have these beautiful lifelines, but I haven't looked at your fingerprints. Your fingerprints might be super anxious. And so we have these compete, this competing information, but that lifeline is going to be an advantage for you. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a lifeline that is uprooted or short, so it ends maybe an inch from the bottom. And it sometimes even looks like there's little, these little dangly pieces. Mm -hmm. If you have something like that, you could have body anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean I'm anxious about how my body looks. It is having anxiety in your body. Like a full embodied experience of anxiety? Yes. And having that even like a low level kind of running through the background of your life all the time. Yeah. Um, So if you do have an uprooted lifeline or a broken lifeline, there are things you can do about that. Like it's really good to know, oh, I need to find tools specific to me that help me ground. And I first need to know how do I recognize when I need to use those tools? Because once we start spinning in our bodies with anxiety, sometimes it takes us a while to even realize we're in anxiety. Mm. And then, and so there, there are ways to work with that. So if you've got a really beautiful grounded lifeline, like you do, and it's, it's interesting for you specifically. So can we talk about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the interesting things about your hands is you have these beautiful lifelines and then you have basically two headlines in each hand. What does that mean? That sounds scary. (laughs) 
a lot of head energy. And is that why I exhaust people all the time? Is that why I'm having a hard time with online dating? <laughs> that, so that's part of it. Like you've got so much mental energy. You have so it's it's like having if you think of your brain as a computer that can process. Mm -hmm. Well, you have two processors going at the same time all the time. Mm -hmm. And they overlap, they, they break and overlap in the creativity zone. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> so, so what that means, it's called tuba flute. <laughs> and it means... Wait, how do I say it? Do I say I have tuba flute in my hands or I am tuba flute? You, you would say, oh yeah, I've got this mark, this tuba flute mark. <laughs> Me and my tuba flute mark. Okay, new memoir coming soon. <laughs> and it basically means there are uh, multiple or creative things that you want to do. <laughs> you love and you love and are very good at playing the tuba. You love and are very good at playing the flute. You want to do them equally. Yeah. And so there's dissonance there. It's which track do I go on? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that can create mental angst, mm -hmm. yes, it which, does. yeah, there we go, which can then, you know, lead into some more anxiety. But with those, those lifelines, I keep coming back to this. You have an ability, you have a, a line into how do I nurture my body? How do I take care of my body? So usually, I mean, I try to take really good care of it in all the regular ways. I eat really well. I exercise with Jolie every morning. Jolie Kobrinsky is our mutual friend who we know all through Heidi. I have been making efforts to get as much sleep as possible. But one of the things that I don't have available to me right now, which I think is an important part of my personal rest, relaxation, fun, is sex. So what do you do when people come to you? Like, do, do clients ask you about their sex lives or relationship? Or what is that like? What do you tell them? What do you look at? Can you look at my hand and tell me about my sex life? <laughs> Almost everyone asks about relationship. In the beginning of a reading, I will say, is there anything in particular you want to know about career and love? Always the top of the list. If I've worked with them over time, then we get to go a little deeper and they'll give me more specific yeah. questions. So sex is uh, a part of the heart line and also the pinky. And <laughs> I'm laughing because I feel like pinkies are good entrances to butt stuff for a lot of people. So that's just funny Another thing that I cannot tell when I look at someone is if they use their pinkies for butt stuff. Unless they don't tell. wash their hands and it was very then messy I, that day. Yeah, would have a clue. <laughs> So the, the heart line is the uppermost line for most people where the fingers attach to the palm. The heart line starts underneath the pinky and travels across the hand, either ending underneath the middle finger or the pointer finger. I don't, do I have one? I don't have anything near my pinky. You do. Oh, you have two complete heart lines. Oh, oh, is it like between my pinky and my ring finger? So look at me for a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at my own hands. <laughs> so drop down here. Okay. This, this oh, right. I see. Down below. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's got a lot of little lines at the end. Yes. And a for lot of you, breaks. 
it looks like so you you don't actually have breaks but you do have challenges and fyi all heartlines have some sort of challenge because we're humans and things right, happen right, right. that's just what it is but it looks underneath at the very beginning of your heartline like the end of an arrow it's feathered yeah and it's even more on my right hand it's like so that's called feathering and that is a dispersion of sexual energy in the way that you don't fully understand how you're impacting the, I usually say the opposite sex, but this could be the same sex. It could be whoever, whomever you're attracted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, so, 90% of the population. <clears throat> so for you, it's, you don't understand how you affect others sexually in the world, right? The whole population. So it's, it's a diffusion of sexual energy and the impact it can have. What are you sending out? It's now a lot of people have feathering. Okay. A lot of people have feathering. And um, so it's not something that is, oh, this is going to ruin your sex life. And your, it's not that. It's an awareness like, oh, am I fully embodying myself? And am I aware of my sexual energy and how I'm sending it out in the world? Am I aware of the impact my energy is having on this person? Not, not unless they tell me. <laughs> yeah. And for you, that's a big thing, right? That's part of you interpreting the world or not interpreting the world. Yeah. So you don't have a full awareness of your impact and how it's being received. Correct? Except for when literally when people, well, oh, this is actually an interesting way to think about it. Is this only in a personal, like me and my lover's way? Or does this include people who write me messages that are like, sex stories help my life? It's everybody. Oh, no wonder I have so many feathers. Okay. <laughs> the pinky is about relationship and intimacy. And this bottom phalange is about sex. So one of the things I can talk to people about when they come to me, if, um, and I, I see right now, I don't see people in person, right. but I do readings online, just like we're doing. Mm -hmm. So if you send me photos, we get on the phone and we do a reading. And if I see that this phalange is pinched, mm -hmm. so it looks squeezed or a little too small, you could also look, are the, are the pieces, the segments of that finger, are they equal or is one really big and one's really small? That says something about sexual energy. Mm. It, it can say that there is a, a, a constriction of the sexual energy. There is a hiding or if it's too big, it can be, well, okay, there, we're, we're going in the opposite direction with this now. We've, we've got sort of this, and when I say gross, I mean large. We've mm -hmm. got, you know, it's a, a gross display mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of sexual energy. It's out of balance. Is mine big or small or regular? They're kind of, I don't know if I sent you pictures of my pinkies. <laughs> Webcam sucks. <laughs> Stop moving. <laughs> <laughs> they look okay. They get a little wider. Like I have webbing between my fingers at the bottom. Hold, hold your hands up like this. I'm looking because I'm also looking at the length of the pinky and the set of the pinky. And you're okay. So are we mirrored. So um, this bend is your my pinky. right hand. There, thank you. So your right pinky is a little lower set than your left pinky. And 
you can see that your pinky on your on your left hand comes up just above this line here. Do you see how it comes up above that line? Yeah. The tip of it does. And now look at your right hand and that pinky oh, yeah. is shorter. Whoa. Yeah. So the right hand has to do with how we interact out in the world. And the left hand has to do with how we interact in our intimate world. Oh, okay. Does it and mean anything that I have a big line down this pinky finger at the bottom and my bottom phalange? Let me see. I have a line. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, not so much. I would okay. be more concerned if it was horizontal. Oh, because that, that, be, that would be a blockage. A blockage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's like a shooter passageway, wide open. <laughs> It kind of is. It's just like, let's go here. <laughs> this vagina is lonely. <laughs> so when a, when a pinky is low set, it typically means that, because this is also about trust. It's about trust and surrender, understanding, mm -hmm. all of that. It typically means that the person didn't get what they needed from the opposite sex parent mm -hmm. growing up. If I see it on the left hand, which is the intimate hand, and it's really low set, we're going to dive deeply in on that mm -hmm. and talk about it. And because that the, our early experiences in our families in is so much about how do I orient to the world as a as a being, but also as a sexual being. Because yeah. we don't think of kids as being sexual beings, but they are. Yeah, and when I the more I talk to people, the more people are like, I started exploring when I was four, five, eight. I watched my first porn at nine, especially now. Especially now. So how our parents show up in our lives is absolutely connected to how we show up sexually later. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's also just this deep connection with self. So for example, if you're a woman and that pinky is really low set, it typically means that your father was not there physically or emotionally for you growing up in the way that you needed. And so we don't get the closeness and understanding we need. And we then attempt to live without closeness and understanding, mm. which is not a good way to go through the world. And as you get older and you get into an intimate sexual relationship, a really low set pinky, or if you have a, a fingerprint, a particular fingerprint on this pinky, it can mean that you have a big issue with trust. And if there's even a hint that someone is going to reject you, even for simple requests, not even in the bedroom, just a simple thing, something you need to get off your chest or yeah. say a request, you uh, shut the doors. So you shut the, the doors of your heart, the castle gate comes up you withdraw, withhold, and resent, mm. and go cold. So imagine in the bedroom. Yeah, I can imagine that would translate. Holy yeah. cow. So let's say you've got this, this trust lesson going on. Wait, and that's the left pinky? Or the it's it's primarily, yeah, it's primarily in the left, but okay. if I see it in the right, I still address it. Got it. It means something a, a, like a tiny bit different, but so you're in the bedroom, you're getting sexy, and you really want to make a request of your lover. Yeah. You want to, you want them to do something maybe you've never tried before. Mm -hmm. And you can either, as you're speaking it, so right before you speak it, you're, you're watching them. 
you're gauging, you're trying to read the signals. How is this going to go? And you see your lover glance this way away from you. That could be enough. And you be, oh, they're not into it. They're not going to like this, blah, blah, blah. You shut down, you go cold. If you're, if you go cold in your heart, your vagina, your cock, like everything's going to go cold. Yeah. So, or you make the request and you see them, you know, kind of do something like this, you shut it down. Yeah. So we're so very sensitive and the hands reveal a lot about our particular sensitivities. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you've got a pinky that's really crooked or kind of mangled in some way, that can also be a sign of abuse. It can mm-hmm. be a sign of really big trust issues because of that abuse. Yeah. So this is, this is the most, if, if we divide the hand straight down the middle, the middle finger, pointer finger, thumb, this is the active, or we could say the typically masculine, the doing side of the hand. And the ring finger and the pinky and everything on this side are the feminine or the being side, the receptive side. So this is all about, and that's where the sex is, right? The sex is in this receptive zone. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, can I surrender? Can I trust and open to myself first and then other? So I'm a person that has silly impulses, like maybe I should just add some more lines to my hand and then I'll be perfect, you know, or like I'll Sharpie it. Um, Knowing this stuff about myself or when your clients learn this stuff about themselves, do you see shifts that are helpful? Can you give us a couple of examples maybe? Yes. Anything in the palm can change because the brain can change and this is a reflection of the brain. So this is mutable Mm. and this is personality. Fingerprints never change. So these are soul contracts, but everything in the hand has a skill set. There is something you can do about your situation. So if you've got a really low set pinky or a damaged pinky, and trust is just difficult. There are conscious things you can start to work with to get functional. So it's not about changing it, it's about becoming functional with Mm. it. How do I become functional with my feathering? That's a great question. Should I just ask everyone, what do you think about my sexual energy? (laughs) For you, I would say, yeah. Okay, everyone, everyone listening. What do you think about yeah. my sexual energy? Yeah. But don't you tell have... me your fantasies about me. Still, that rule still stands always. And that that's, so that's such a clear distinction too, because it is not what my sexual energy makes you want to do to me right. or do to yourself. It is really, is your sexual, so, okay, let's see if we can do this between the two of us. Okay. Because you're very cuddly and tactile. And you love to to be touched. You love your head to be touched. Mm -hmm. I am someone who loves to touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there is absolutely a sexual component to the energy of the way you move towards me. Mm. And when we touch, but it's not a, I don't receive it as an, I want to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. You may or may not, but I receive it as a, there's a sensuality even to your cuddling. That's how your energy hits me. I think as I hear you say this, I'm realizing that one of the reasons I 
do like to be alone so much is I feel like most of the time, okay, how do I say this without sounding creepy? I'm just going to try. When I love people, whether they are friends or lovers or people I'm getting to know, um, I, I feel attracted to most people. Like normally it is circumstances that will make it so that I don't most of the time embark upon pursuit of a sexual relationship. I talk about lately, especially I haven't had sex since June. And so I talk about that a lot. It's not because it's not because I can't have any sex. It's because the choices available to me are not optimal for some reason or another. So I feel like when I'm out in the world, most of the time when I'm meeting people and I'm feeling good vibes with them, it's not specifically sexual, but I feel that in general, I have to keep a sexual lid on myself to keep from crossing boundaries, normal social boundaries. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Like, so it's not like I'm like sitting there in a cuddle pile at a retreat being like, I want to fuck everybody, but I can't. But it's, but it's in the world. I have trained myself to almost dismiss when I feel sexual energy because it is so often like it's so loud I have to be like I know you I'm gonna sound it's like when I sound filter episodes I take a noise print and then I filter it out of the entire <laughs> wave file does that do I sound creepy does this make any sense is this what we're talking about <laughs> yes so this is a great example of you putting a cap on your sexual energy you're you're saying oh I identify this and I don't want to fling it out indiscriminately. Yeah. It's not appropriate most of the time. It's not appropriate most of the time. And that's what can happen with feathering is that we are flinging indiscriminately sexual energy and not being aware of the impact it is having on others. Mm. So even with your cap, there is a lot of sensuality that comes through you. Mm -hmm. And when I say this is not in any way, I don't judge this as negative, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, somebody else may, yeah. I don't. Yeah. So it's absolutely the awareness is, am I flinging indiscriminate sexual energy or am I holding it? And what else is coming forward? Hmm. And we've never even talked about, about this between the two of us. Yeah. Right. So, so it's just a learning. All of this is a learning when we have maps and guides then we can say, oh, do I want to follow the same path or do I want to adjust the way I move on this path? Mm. Let's find out. Yeah. Now, the feathering in your hand, even though it's in your palm, it may never go away. And by yeah. go away, I mean those little lines might just always be there your entire life. Totally. That's fine. That's totally fine. It's how you interact with the mark that shifts. Some people might have feathering that does start to fade out and go away. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. happens. I, I try to tell my clients, don't get concerned about whether the mark is changing or the line is changing. Look more at what is internally changing. And this map, this flesh map may or may not update, mm -hmm. but, but, but it's pointing to things. Yeah. And I'm just looking at it saying, oh, let's look at this and talk about this. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. One last little question that I guess is personal, but I feel is relevant. As I think about myself trying to put a sexual cap on myself, shall we say, I think it's different from shutting the castle door. But I'm not sure how to tell the difference. Yeah, that's another really fine distinction. It is different. Hmm. 
So shutting the castle door is very much about trusting that I am going to be okay, whether I get abandoned or not, because this is an abandonment thing that happens with the pinky. So if I make this sexual request and my partner says no, or even says yes, but I don't believe it, I have such a fear of abandonment that to avoid my partner abandoning me, I will preemptively abandon myself. And the way I do that is by shutting the castle gate and closing off and going cold. I think I'm protecting myself, but I'm actually abandoning myself. Mm. So this is about the trust piece is about keeping your heart open, making the requests, the needs, the communication, holding your heart open to receive whatever comes back and building trust with yourself that you will stand up and say what you need. Mm. It's not actually about trusting other. It is, I need to build trust with myself that I will not abandon myself and I will speak my needs and my requests. And then as shaky as it is, and I might get abandoned, I might absolutely be abandoned. I'm still going to be okay. So that's what it's about. The trust, the, the cap on the sexual feathering that you're talking about, yeah. it's a very different feeling to that. You know, that is gauging if it is appropriate, needed, and wanted in this situation for me to let my full sexual self show. 